0: Hi, it's me, stand-up comedian and ghost detective, Kadi Asad. I'm here with my good friend, James Hilmer. Hello. We interview comedians and entertainers about a time they were ghosted and try to figure out maybe why that happened. It's funny, touching, and gosh darn it, they're all good stories. So tune in, Kadi Asad Ghost Detective, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Dream. Yeah, I grew up in like the 20s, I feel like sometimes. <laughs> I was just out on a farm.
1: How do you go from sheep farm... To stand up comedy.
0: Well, after you get the first sheep pregnant, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get the hell out of town.
2: Hello and welcome to Cleopatra. I'm Christy Vanna. And I'm Lynn Molly, and
1: we are two Middle Eastern comedy queens digging up the funny from the first generation experience.
2: Our guest today is a stand-up comedian. He is so funny; he performs all around L.A. And I can't wait to introduce you. Please give it up at home for Joe Abu Hey,
0: it's me. How are you
2: doing? It's, hey, it's Joe.
0: It's you're here. You are here. I am Joe. How you doing, guys?
2: Good. Thanks yeah. for being
0: here. Well, thanks for having me. We
2: haven't had like an, a longer than five minutes conversation in like a year, so I'm very happy to see you. Yeah, and it's been a while. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How you been? I think the last time we had a long conversation, I cooked for you guys, right? Yeah. Didn't I think it? you made oh, some really right. good kenefe. Some, no, I made a uh, malfoof. Oh, you made Malfouf. Hell yeah. We nice. got to do
2: that again. Dude,
0: I'll do it anytime. I love <gasps> Oh, coffee.
2: you did it. That was really yeah, good.
0: Yeah. it was incredible. You were an
2: it? excellent cook. Thank you. Also, you've been like popping off on social media with your cooking videos and opinions. Hey, you know?
0: Yeah, I got some opinions. I got some food opinions that make people mad. I think my food opinions make people more angry. I will say one of your Palestine. opinions
1: recently really um I was about to say that we cottage need to yeah, it was cottage yeah. cheese. Yeah. Right. Uh She thinks that's the best cheese and that is Listen, wow. I know this is
0: a podcast about Middle Eastern comedians, <laughs> but I will spend an hour talking about why cottage cheese <laughs> is the best cheese out there. All right? there all right. you know what i'm getting here's the thing you can make cottage cheese into every kind of a dish all right it's breakfast it's lunch it's a snack it's dessert what other cheese you doing with that
2: ricotta ricotta can be you know
0: what and this is not to yeah ricotta is a hell of a cheese all right that is a good
2: (laughs) there's so many better cheeses to go from lasagna lasagna to
0: cannoli god bless you
1: have you had a triple cream bray a what a triple cream bray
0: hey you know what? I love caviar, too, but we're not going to sit and eat caviar <laughs> every meal of the day. You got to have a good, this it's is your everyday so cheese. It's so
2: pragmatic of you to say that it's the best cheese. I don't even think it really counts as a cheese, to be honest. It's what's like it a, It's again? a dairy it's product. It's like a clumpy dairy. I forget. What,
0: what's the name of the product we're talking about?
2: Cottage curds. No,
0: it's not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a curd.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, people were, you know. I had a few people saying, uh, let's free the curds. So
1: (laughs) I remember when I used to try to be healthy, I would see like lasagna recipes with cottage cheese. And that's when I stopped being healthy.
0: Another another point in cottage cheese direction. It's like eating a protein shake that tastes good.
2: Don't get me wrong, I like cottage cheese. My like snack of the century when I was in college was. Cottage cheese and wheat thins or Cheez-Its. Hell yeah.
0: Canned peaches. Dump some cottage cheese on top. Come on (laughs) Canned peaches.
2: You know what I haven't seen in
1: a while but was a staple of my teen years? Do you remember whipped cottage cheese? Did you ever have that?
0: Another opinion of mine when it comes to food. (laughs) Get the whipped shit out of my face. All right? No whipped cottage cheese. Sorry if this is non-cursing. I don't want whipped anything. All right? (laughs) You're charging me twice the price for half the product all right
2: we brought joe on here he's got dairy opinions whipped
0: cream cheese
2: everyone strap in
0: (laughs) it's this much much cream cheese in a bucket this size so much
2: more spreadable though
0: sure that's fine (laughs) but charge me half the price for half the product is uh, is what i say
2: i don't know once i started having whipped cream cheese i think my life changed because i was so used to just like the the jar of philly or the tub rather it's a tub not a jar um, do you have opinions about tub versus jar?
0: <laughs> no, but, but I'll figure one out, Oh, good, out, but you'll sure. think of
2: one by the do end of Do you
0: have
1: feelings on New York deli cream cheese? Because to me, that's another shmear. level. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: that's another level. Of, hey, it's but better. But isn't
2: schmears is like whipped?
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's better. I'm not saying it's not better. <laughs> I'm just saying don't charge me double the price for the Because there's product. air in
2: it. There's air. All right. I'm not
0: paying for air. And they always say it's 50% the calories. And it's like, that's because it's 50% of the food. All right?
2: Nobody tell this guy about pop chips. (laughs) It's all That's exactly it. I'm so glad that our
1: parents moved to this country so we could go on air and talk about
2: whipped cheese versus block cheese. It's our right as Americans to have strong opinions.
0: That's the culture, baby.
2: So can you take us back? To where your humble curd beginnings <laughs> started. And, you know, tell us about your background. Your parents, grandparents, as far back as you want to go. But basically, we like to ask how people ended up being first generation here and gotcha. what that story is.
0: I am. Uh, well, first of all, I was born and raised in McEwen, Tennessee. All right. I am country. I am from the rural south. Rural. You know how rural my hometown was? I had how? to practice saying rural before I got in here. That's how ah. rural. So... That's where I'm from. My dad though, he was from Palestine. He was he was born in Jerusalem, a little uh village called Lifta which uh doesn't really exist I anymore. Mean, now it's a national reserve basically. You can go. I I got the opportunity to go there last year. It was really wow. cool. I'm just like h- hiking around. I didn't realize until so I went to Palestine last year and did stand up. Or I guess now a year and a half ago. I didn't realize that Lifta had like this kind of uh reverence over there now uh because it's kind of like the one uh village from the pre 1948 years that um they fought to preserve how it looks. Wow. So that's why there's these all these old houses that are still kind of there that they can't build new settlements on top of.
1: Oh wow, is there like a very specific Palestinian look?
0: Yeah, I mean some of those houses are just like over 100 years old. So I think it's kind of like uh and you have to drive by it when you're going into Jerusalem. So I think it's kind of become kind of a symbol of like, see, we did exist. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's kind of funny. Amr Zar was uh, introducing all of us because uh, we were all Palestinian comics. Um, he was introducing us coming up on stage as like where our family was from. And, uh, you know, every village had like something fun. He had something funny to say about him. And right. then he would say Lifta. And it was like it was like everyone would be like, oh
2: hushed yes yeah. it's like okay great now <laughs> no i gotta notes.
0: yeah now i gotta come up and tell jokes there it's like it was like being brought up as like a wounded soldier um you're welcome yeah yeah uh but yeah so that's where my dad was from he was born in 1941 so he had a solid seven years of uh you know being just a palestinian kid and then you know the nakba happened and uh his family moved to Saudi Arabia and they kept him there. They kept him at a boarding school. Oh, wow. So, yeah, a little Muslim kid going to, I think, a Quaker boarding school.
1: And Saudi Arabia is a huge cultural difference. From, huge culture. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, like, and I don't think they were super religious because my dad wasn't religious at all. He just didn't like religion at all. Why would he? <laughs> but his family moved to Saudi Arabia, which all of a sudden is, like, the most religious place. And, yeah, before that, I think, you know, it was just same. My family was there for... Ever, you know, same
1: in Saudi Arabia. In,
0: well, no, before before uh, 1948, Palestine. it was just in Palestine forever. My mom's side was from Mobile, Alabama, though. So,
2: oh, wow, yeah. I didn't know that. So, yeah. you're also ha- held with great reverence and preserved <laughs> for <laughs> centuries.
0: The Louisiana Purchase was a big thing.
2: <laughs> and then, how did they
1: find each other?
0: Yeah, so my dad was in, he stayed in Palestine, uh, in Jerusalem all throughout school, and, and then he moved to the U S to go to school. He went to uh university of Texas and he was over here and he lived like his young years in the U S, you know, traveling around and ended up, ended up in Chicago. And at a certain point, he uh, got a job with the U S Corps of Engineers.
1: Ah, another engineer. Another engineer. We should have one of those Trader Joe's bells when they (laughs) are (laughs) ring like ding ding ding. We should play first generation bingo. (laughs) He
0: was to be fair to him, he was a he was just a pilot in the for the Corps of Engineers. He was a civilian guy. And he went, uh, he moved to Saudi Arabia because his family was there to work for the Corps of Engineers. And that's where my granddad on my mom's side was stationed. And he got hurt or something, and my mom went to go visit him. And that's where my parents met.
1: Wow. She met him in Saudi, in Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Isn't
0: that crazy? Yeah. Wow. Country girl from Mobile meeting in Saudi Arabia.
1: How was Saudi Arabia for a Southern woman? Well, I mean, wow. I think
0: she was a, she was a very pretty, uh, young blonde. So my dad found her right away. <laughs> and, uh, he found her quite all right. Yeah. Thank you
2: so much. <laughs> and,
0: uh, it's so funny. Yeah. I think, um, it's so funny hearing my mom talk about saudi arabia back then she was like i don't know why people are like talk about how they didn't treat you know women well and it's like well yeah you're we're a pretty young blonde girl you know right. like it's not the same so uh i think it's kind of like how like dubai is today you know like people are like dubai's fine it's like vegas it's like right. well, yeah that part you right know?
2: All, all these white people writing with notes back, and they're like it it was total I was treated completely fairly <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs> and you're like, yeah, you had a lot of money. Yeah. you were American,
0: yeah. so I think you know, it is it was also just a different country that it was just like a it's a very small new country. Still is kind of right.
1: I remember my dad worked in Saudi Arabia for a little bit, and he, similar to your dad, very non religious, and he had a lot of trouble with the culture. Yeah,
0: I do remember when we, when I was like three, I've only been over there once, we went over there to visit. And uh, I remember my dad getting pissed because he got a ticket for wearing his shorts too short.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Finally, a man getting ticketed (laughs) for it. He was so mad. I got in trouble for that in middle school. Yeah, I was like, Mm -hmm. what a a
2: middle school girl. Yeah, I I don't
0: think they have them anymore or they don't have the power that they did then. But they, yeah, there was like the religious police that would just walk (laughs) around with sticks and just... Yell at you wow. for like whatever, yeah. You know?
2: So like 1970s and 80s NBA was also banned, probably for <laughs> yeah, all the short shorts. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Wow. Okay. And so they met in Saudi Arabia, and then
0: and then they kind of. I, I think my dad started working. You know, it's funny. He started like doing like import export, which is like the classic Arab move. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Also know. on the bingo yes board. Yeah. Import export. Ahmed Al
2: uh Grandfather was into that as well. My grandfather, Pallavi's. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. If you can figure out a way to buy shit and sell shit and send it over here and bring it over there, I think, yeah. I mean, that's the classic move, right?
1: I don't know why we're doing comedy and not like upmarking spices.
0: <laughs> yeah. I feel like everyone's granddad and dad or whatever who did In import export, they all have their own thing that they sold. And it was like, to them it was like the most important thing possible and my dad's thing his claim to fame apparently is uh you know in the in the 70s and 80s there was a big war between um Betamax and VHS right mm. you know so like oh <laughs> uh, yes
2: the, the great war i think that great, was what the gulf
0: war was about <laughs> exactly yeah it was all it was all on tape and half of them was on Betamax and half was on VF, uh, VHS and most of the world VHS won but my dad's claim to fame apparently was this little pocket of the Middle East where Betamax was king. And wow. so that was his thing. He was like buying and selling movies and shipping all that stuff this around. This
1: sounds like the plot of a movie or I will watch
2: say, on a plane. In one a day. world where VHS reigns <laughs> supreme. Yeah. There was one town where Betamax.
0: <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so and that's also why our house always had Betamax movies. And it was like it's like come on, man. You no still one... have Betamax? Movies. Dude, that's I would be real. I wish I did. I wish I still had all those. I thought the Smurfs were an Arabic TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I legit like when I was a kid, I would watch all those old like they were all taped off the off the TV and, and I, dubbed. yeah, Papa Smurf. I thought it was <laughs> I had no idea. Like people here watched was it. Papa,
2: it wasn't Abu Smurf.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Baba, Baba Yeah.
2: You got Christy with that one. <laughs> I love anything that's that's like Arabized like that. That it always tickles me. Mm-hmm. My favorite was when I went to
1: Syria. They all called uh, KFC Kuwait fried chicken. Kuwait fried
0: chicken. Oh, yeah. Ah, very nice. Jamic. They weren't GMC trucks. They were Jemmick trucks over there.
2: (laughs) Wow, okay, so then they went back to America when?
0: So, yeah, they were traveling around, and they had my old. I'm the youngest of five, and so my parents were older and um, had my first three uh, siblings and then decided to move back to the south to be near my mom's family. Got a house in Tennessee and kind of, like, settled down on a sheep farm. And that's when me and my sister came. So we have, me and my sister have like a completely different cultural upbringing than my older three siblings. Are you
1: all close?
0: Yeah, we're all not close in age. My oldest is uh, 13 years older than me or 14 years older than me. But yeah, yeah, we all, I mean, we all moved to McEwen. We all lived in McEwen and we were the only like, you know, Middle Eastern family, you know, so, and we were in the middle of nowhere. Did
1: people, your peers and such and community know that you were Middle Eastern.
0: You know what? I mean, yeah, obviously, but I honest I talk about this a lot. It's like uh I really wonder if anyone even knew like people my age, anyone even knew what Middle Eastern was until nine eleven. Like nine eleven happened right. when I was a freshman and I was going to a new high school because I went to like the Catholic school K through eighth. And uh then nine eleven happened like a month into it. Mm-hmm. And I think before that, everyone thought my dad was, like, Cuban or Italian.
2: (laughs) Wow. And they just started paying it more attention to, like, oh, that name sounds dangerous.
0: Yeah, that name sounds like the news. Yeah.
2: Did you feel a need to hide
1: anything?
0: Where I grew up was, like, super rural. So there was already, like, racism was already, like, a story there, you know? Like, with black people, obviously. So... I guess I learned about racism before that and then that happened. And it's like you see it happen directly. But at that point, I remember always feeling like the only time any kind of racism would really hurt is if it would and I, I'm sure you guys felt this at some point in your life, is when it would come from someone that you're like, Oh wait, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be the mm-hmm. smart like a right. teacher saying something right. ignorant. Like, you know, like whenever a te- they'd be trying to explain what's going on, they're like they just they hate us for a freedom and they're, or they're behind, you know, or 50 someone years who's or,
1: been your friend for yeah, years. Yeah. Or like someone's yeah. parent,
0: they say something that like maybe that isn't like something racist, like, hey, fuck you, towelhead or whatever. You know, because that shit never hurt at all. But if you know, someone's saying something that kind of like puts you below right. them, that's when it would be like, ah, oh, fuck, dude. Yeah. So
2: sheep farm.
0: Ah, yeah, hell yeah, dude.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the sheep. Yeah. How many sheep are we talking? Uh,
0: at most, probably like 50. Yeah, 50? It was, yeah, it was a small farm. We so had, cute. Yeah, it was just self-sustaining. We had sheep, chickens, a couple donkeys.
2: Self-sustaining, like, what does that mean? Like, you didn't need to have, like, a like tractor or, like, Most of our like food machine. was... Okay.
0: Oh, no, no, yeah, we had all that. Like, most of our food is what I mean. It's like we had the garden and... Oh, wow. Like, we ate. We ate all that. Yeah. You
2: ate off the land, and yeah. you made cottage cheese out of sheep's milk. <laughs> Dude, I wish we made cottage cheese, but
0: yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, we would. We yeah. Uh, we, we would. We had Nubian goats, milk and goat milk. That's the dream. Yeah, I grew up in like the 20s. I feel like sometimes, like I was just out on a farm by myself.
1: Wow. So, how do you go from sheep farm to stand-up comedy? I yeah. know there's probably a lot of steps in I was between. Say.
0: Uh, well. After you get the first sheep pregnant, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to get the hell out of town.
2: You're not welcome anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah, we were out there, but my parents—they had traveled all over, and they were always like, "You gotta get out." You know, my parents are always like, "When you're, you need to leave." You know, don't That's stay. Here. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I feel like my parents also very much gave me a spirit of travel from yeah. a very young age, and it's because they did that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think I,
0: I think, think that's an immigrant thing too. Yeah. It's like cuz they came here doing that, you know. Unless they came here and they start a business and I guess the expectation of like you have to stay and do this business. But I never that wasn't we had we had the video store. That was our business local.
2: The Betamax you- Oh, that's great!
0: No, yeah, yeah. the, the, videos, ma- the video, mean- video rental store was VHS. So he did. Oh, it. He okay. did He did when he moved here. He did have to. He had a video enter.
1: rental store. Yeah,
0: the local video rental. store I worked that at was a ours.
1: video rental store for years. I have very. That's why I fell in love memories. with movies. Yeah. yeah. So
0: that's why I was like, I always wanted to get into writing and. Wow,
1: like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Same
0: underbite <laughs> and everything. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Same foot fetish and everything. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, The camera's not seeing me, just like.
1: <laughs> so you had a passion for writing and cinema from working at the video store. Yeah. What was the next step after high school?
0: College. I didn't really want to go, but. Where did you go? Middle Tennessee State and uh, cool school. Yeah, I was there. I really wanted to get it done quick, though. I was ready to move. I, I had decided, like, pretty early I was going to move out here. My brother had moved out here by the time I was in college. So I was already coming out here every summer. And just, what like, was
1: he doing here?
0: So he was trying to get into acting, but he really got into stunts. So wow, he's, cool. he's a stunt guy. So Cool. Yeah, so that's what he does.
2: What did you study in college?
0: Uh, media production, yeah. I, oh, nice. I knew what I wanted to go into, and I... That's what I do now. Work in post production, produce oh. commercials. Yeah. Oh wow, I yeah. didn't know
2: that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, it's very I'm learning cool. everything about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I had your cooking, and I'm like, I I know enough. <laughs> you, you guys saw the cottage cheese. And then I heard, exactly. I like, I, was like, I don't want to learn one more fucking guy. thing about this guy. <laughs> That's really cool. And do you, and you're still doing that right now. Do mm-hmm. you feel like it like dovetails with stand up, or
0: you know what it does is it gave me a reason to come out here, which You know, did you guys start stand-up in L.A.?
2: I did, yeah. You did? I started in San Francisco, but then moved back to L.A. kind of quickly.
0: Yeah, starting stand-up in L.A., if anyone's watching wanting to start stand-up, it's not advised. It sucks. But, you know, if you're out here, you got to get going. You don't know that when you're starting. But it did, having production as another path that I was going anyway, uh, gave me the work and the reason to be out here, and the paychecks, yeah. At certain point, so.
1: And when was your first exposure to stand up comedy? Was that something you were watching when you were younger? Well,
0: yeah. Whenever I was not stand up, I don't know about you guys, but stand up was never a thing for me that I wanted to do, because not because I didn't want to do it. Like I would, I would listen to Jeff Foxworthy albums and I would get memorize it, mm. and I would watch all wow. of Def, I would watch all the Jeff Jam when I was little, like. <laughs>
2: Jeff Jam is the um, off-brand yeah, yeah. Def of Def damn Jam, and- where it's yeah. Jeff Foxworthy yeah. saying damn a lot. Yeah. Um, Jeff Jam is a great album. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't let that go, because uh, I'm a fucking asshole. But I, yes, Def Jam, obviously, very They're,
0: classic. They were incredible, and that was stand-up in the 90s, right? Like, stand-up in the 90s was Def Jam. And then if it wasn't Def Jam, it was like guys like Jeff Foxworthy that... You know, or Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, but Jerry Seinfeld, well, he was our—he was a guy from the seventies and eighties who was still popular. Then. That's true. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I see
2: what you mean. You mean like what? What, what the new wave? Exactly. Of and obviously, was.
0: now looking back, we know like there was the whole alt scene. But I was a kid; I didn't know about the alt scene. It was just those were the those were the, Martin Chappelle, obviously. Um, Chris Rock was the biggest thing on earth. You know, the kings of comedy. All that was like that's what stand-up comedy was, and I loved it. But I was like, I'm, I can't be wanting to do that would be like me being like, oh, I want to be a a rapper, you know, like, it's like not, not my culture. And uh, so I was like, but I loved comedy and I would watch that. But uh, SNL and The Simpsons and Late Night with Conan, all that stuff would like taught me what funny was. And I was like, that's what I want to do. The Simpsons was
1: was definitely super formative for me. We watched it every weekend. Every day. The whole family, I remember, would sit around on Sundays. Did you also? Yeah, Yeah, we did. It It
0: taught you what funny was. Yeah. Like everything about it. And then like, and then SNL watched it every weekend as a family, like obsessed about it. I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to write that. And then obviously movies were the same thing. It was like, I want to, so I knew from an early age, I was like, I know I want to write comedy. And then it wasn't until I started coming out here, like when I was like 19, I would come out here and I would go like pop over to the comedy store be like, oh, this is cool. And then that's when I saw like, bill burr and guys and i was like Mm -hmm. oh you can this is like this is just a guy with a voice you know and that's when (laughs) i like really like dove more into stand-up did you
1: start stand-up when you were 19
0: no didn't actually start i would go over there and i would hang out with my fake id every summer and then um when i finally moved out here when i was 23 first time i went up was at potluck yeah
2: how surreal and then you performed there yeah That's really cool. Yeah. So how old were you when you actually first started? 23. Yeah. 23, okay. How do you feel like the scene in LA changed like from what it was then when you first started 10-ish years ago to what it is now? Like Uh, obviously it was pre-TikTok, it was pre-Instagram, but just I wonder what your... So I perspective seen or how your philosophy about standup kind of evolved.
0: Okay, so these are my stages of LA comedy. Was first was me coming out here when I was like nineteen, not doing it, but checking it out, like going to the comedy store those years. First of all, the comedy store was not cool. Up until like twenty twelve, it was the stepchild. You know, like no one hung out there. It wasn't sold out shows. It was a joke that they made every night. Hey, you never know, Chris Rock might pop in. That was they would say that as a joke because that's not gonna happen. Wow,
1: do we know when the comedy store
2: originated? Well, I in the '70s, but, but in I'm the '70s it is, was like Robin Williams, yeah. was, you know, and but all in the, 2007, yeah, 2007. Oh, yeah, there was like wow. a 2006,
0: 2007. When I was first like coming out here,
2: there was a dip. Yeah, like where it, it wasn't was, the happening And, and it was place. like
0: always, re, it always seemed like it was going to shut down because you would go there at night and it would be dead. It would be like how it is <laughs> at like 3 o'clock Not in the just morning.
2: dead, also haunted. <laughs> yeah, and it, it would
0: feel haunted too. So that was me just going and hanging out. And that's when I met like uh, guys like David Taylor and um, I think like Bobby Lee was saying. out. Like, it was so weird because I would go... And after, like, three days of going, the old manager, Tommy, would be like, you're a comic, just go in the back. And that was the first time I ever felt like a comic, even though I would never done it. Oh, that's nice. And I was like, okay. Cut to when I moved out here. Uh, I'm 23, and that's, like, 2010. Then the scene is, like, popular, but I'm just starting, so I don't know what's what, you know? And then, okay, (laughs) this is going to get, like, depressing, but I promise I'm not making it. My dad died in 2011. Okay. So that took like three years where, mm-hmm. or two years where I'm like, okay, now all of a sudden I got a kid that I'm like raising. I'm working as a PA. I'm stressed. I'm like not doing stand-up. Wow, and Even how though, old are you? 23. Wow. Yeah. Wait, when
2: did That's you, a lot. Okay. Sorry. When did you meet your wife? You have to back up.
0: In college. Okay. I met her right before I was moving out here. We started dating and like we had like a whole year where we were dating. She had a kid already. She had a kid when she was a 18 mm-hmm. and so but i knew i was moving out and was, that's a long story of like you know us trying to make a relationship work and then we do a year and of, you did? yeah we did What's a year about? apart i know and it was like it worked i always say like it's the best thing that ever happened you know but if like i saw a 23 year old doing what i was doing i'd be like what are you doing you're making <laughs> a wrong decision it would be like if i if, you, if I had $100,000 and I spent all $100,000 on Powerball tickets, mm. but then I won $500 million, wow. you'd still say that was an insane, dumb decision. Right. Worked out for me, but, you know, so I did that. And uh,
1: Also, so- having a kid at such a young age in so many ways is so great because I feel like now the child is grown yeah. and you're responsible. Like I can't have a kid now. I'm tired now. Yeah. Like I wasn't doing anything responsible in my twenties. I could have fully raised a thing that would one day <laughs> take care of me <laughs>
2: And yeah. now it's too late. It I'll wor- borrow yours.
0: It worked out for sure. You know, um, those little
2: robots that go down Santa Monica Boulevard and Melrose. I think those are going to be taking care of us when we're <laughs> yeah. like delivery, robot. delivery robots. Little delivery robots for They're food. Gonna yeah. Like that's what's going to be, you know, yeah. I'm just kidding. We're not going to be alive yeah, was to say, have our diapers changed. That'll also be your hearse. It'll <laughs> take you away. Yeah. yeah. Not worried about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, ha- but having that responsibility that young, the the good thing about it was um, those are the years like I'm like hunkering down trying to make it work out here. So I had like no distraction that I could. Unfortunately, for like a solid three years, I just didn't do stand up. Yeah. I kept telling myself that I was like right. doing it, but I wasn't really. And it wasn't until 2014. So that's kind of. So there's my 10 years Uh, is 2014 is like when I really started.
1: I have generally noticed that people who start younger usually take a
2: long break somewhere in there
1: because Christy and I both started a little bit older
2: and I feel like I started in my late 70s and (laughs) I regret every minute of it
0: in the late 70s
2: (laughs) in my late
0: 70s
1: you started in your 60s
0: (laughs) I think I needed those years to figure out who I was who we were. Right. I had to raise someone, you know. She came out great. Uh, but we were not equipped. You know? And then
1: your wife, she's been along for the ride with stand up comedy yeah. supported. What the a whole psycho, time. right? What an absolute
0: <laughs> That's why I I never understand, like, you know, like I could I could never not be with her ever, you know, like <laughs> dude, you stuck through that. Are you insane? You know? It's like, yeah. What a crazy person, but I fully best.
1: Yeah, I have a partner who's very supportive, but I fully support partners who are not supportive of stand-up comedians. I know, yeah. It's
2: right? wild. Yeah. So those were your three, those are your big stages. Yeah, um,
0: and by 2014, that's when, to go back to your point, that's when L.A. stand-up really was blowing up, with Roast Battle really blowing up. That's when I feel like the boom was really happening. Probably in reality happening in like twenty twelve, mm-hmm. but by twenty fourteen, that's like when it just seemed like every week there was someone new coming and people blowing up and podcasts blowing up. And we're right. still. I think we're still in the boom.
1: I started in twenty sixteen, and I think I've seen a huge shift, pretty much from before the pandemic versus
0: after i think la i think la comedy uh was in a huge boom Mm -hmm. up until 2020 and then 2020 was at its worst or 2019 was like it was getting too much you know there was too many people in la trying to do stand-up and like trying to be the comedy store at that point was just everyone's just there i stopped hanging at the store during that time It it was just like constant like everyone was there all the time just like hanging around And then the pandemic happened, and a lot of those crazy people moved to Austin. And I know I say that, and everyone thinks I'm, like, shitting on Austin. Austin's awesome. But uh, a lot of crazy people did move, and L.A. got better for it, I Mm. think.
1: I also think the scene changed a lot because of um, the internet increasing the demand for stand-up comedy. I remember when I started stand-up... I had this great show in a backyard that I ran with Amy Silverberg. And we used to have like Nicole Byer on it. We could get anyone we wanted. We had Atsko. We had so many big names. And it would be like we would be hand texting our friends. I would be driving people to the airport so yeah. that they would show up to our shows. And now all my shows just sell out without
0: I don't brag about I mean, it.
1: <laughs> everyone's very thirsty for yeah. Arab comedy, but it just there has been this huge shift where I feel like before. Nobody wanted stand-up comedy, and now audiences really do want stand-up comedy, but then at the same time, I feel like it's introduced so many more comics mm-hmm. that now it, it's almost too popular now.
0: Yeah, I th- I still think it's better. I think it's better than it was pre-pandemic. Right before the pandemic, it was a weird thing where there was too many stand-ups and not enough audience. Now I think we have a better balance of, like, I you're right. So. The audience is there now, finally. We're, I think I think everyone got thirsty during the pandemic, you know? Mm. pandemic sucked actually take that back pandemic was the best thing that ever happened to me (laughs) (laughs) what
2: happened during the pandemic
0: just i don't know i i love i obviously the pandemic was an awful thing and it was like it sucks people died but for me personally uh i needed that um that break you know like that the work from home and the and like the the stay at home everyone i don't know i feel like stand-up in la and a lot of people that i was friends with for a decade we got closer during that time because we weren't doing stand-up. Mm. I feel like a lot of people got became better writers during that time because we took a, a year to live our life and figure out new stuff to write about.
1: Did you do any Zoom shows?
0: Yeah, I did three of them. I hated every second. <laughs> all of them. It was a waste of time.
1: I will say I made money on Zoom shows. I know, yeah.
0: I, made, I did make money on Zoom shows, but it wasn't worth it for me. I didn't like it. And honestly, the whole time I was just like, I missed stand up and it wasn't it wasn't filling the void. And what did fill the void was just being like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to experience life during this time in a new way.
1: Did you do Zoom shows? I did a few. I just like that you could bomb and then just
2: shut your computer. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I like to do the fake freeze. I'd just be like. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I would do that. I would play that prank on friends, uh, but not during an actual show.
1: I remember doing one show, and it was so packed. There would be like ninety people every week. And then once everyone got vaccinated, I agreed to do one, and it was like there were maybe fifteen people. All the cameras were off, and it was on a Friday night. And I was just like, I don't want this to be the my cameras Friday being night. off.
2: Is just Wild. peak, yeah, peak depression
1: yeah <laughs> my boyfriend took a video of me doing one of those shows and it's so embarrassing to watch because i've headphones in so it's just like me telling my jokes and just
2: holding
0: yeah it's a nightmare. Bizarre. yeah <laughs> i don't know how anyone enjoyed any of that
2: we're going to pivot to some questions i'm gonna ask the first one Bring um it. cleopatra was the queen of luxury what's a bougie thing that you don't skimp on
0: Things I don't skimp on is uh, is kitchen, uh, not appliances, but kitchen uh, kitchenware.
2: Kitchenware. Oh, okay. You know,
0: something that, like, you're going to have for the rest of your life and your kid's life, pay the most amount for it. Dude, my kitchen is decked out with La Crusade, all that stuff. Yeah. Why not? Okay. It's not? It seems more expensive than it is, but anything that you use the rest of your life thats true is worth most every dollar.
2: don't last that long. My parents... Uh, I still used the espresso machine that they got from their wedding. Mm-hmm. They got married in 1973. Boom. And I was using that puppy in 2017 because okay. it was so well made. And they just don't make them the way they used to. I,
0: I am, I'm a buy-it-for-life fiend, all right? I got my grandma's uh, cast iron.
1: Nice. Can I ask, because I have a theory that nonstick pans are nonstick for your tops.
0: Yeah, 100%. Have you
1: found a nonstick pan? No. Okay.
0: You go to you go to Marshall's to get your nonstick pan, and then you use it until you feel like you're poisoning yourself, and then you go <laughs> get another one.
1: Okay. I'm glad that I, because I always thought that maybe I wasn't, like, loving it enough. No. I wasn't, like, a Yeah, it's crazy it to buy an care. expensive nonstick. Okay. Right? Like Because it's,
0: it's going to gonna mess up at some point
1: what's your favorite kitchen appliance right now
0: kitchen appliance or or yeah no nah, it's my it's my dutch ovens i got two of them like we say, man come on <laughs> all right it was the most expensive thing i bought and it was like i remember that buying that and buying my first like mattress that i bought for it i remember those were the two things yeah. where like oh i'm an adult hell yeah it's working out oh and, and buying glass tupperware Oh, yes. Dude. Glass yes. Tupperware, yeah. That's a, that's that's a, a game changer. That's yes. an adult That's an adult mm-hmm. time, you know? Like, no oh, more I'm spaghetti not, steam. No, Yeah, no more eating out of cottage cheese containers.
2: Oh, yeah, that's next level. Yeah. We still actually have a surprise. We have a lot of nice glass Tupperware in my house, but we somehow still f- manage to use yogurt containers for soup (laughs) i say i save
0: those for when i'm giving away food yeah you know good idea
1: because my parents do this and it makes me bonkers they will put things in tupperware but they won't put like a lid on it
0: oh Oh. they do they do the saran wrap thing or they
1: won't even they'll just and i'm like it's just drying out no that's head on and then
0: (laughs) yeah that's crazy
1: and I grew up like this. And then my boyfriend saw me do it. And he was like, This has to go. No. This behavior is done.
0: My mom's thing, she would do the like cottage cheese containers and <laughs> butter containers and so all that. But she would also, she was a, a Ziploc queen. Mm. Oh. She'd be throwing everything in <laughs> a Ziploc. That's right. Ziploc full of grape leaves. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, we we go heavy on the Ziploc as well. But the mm. most frustrating is when you think you have cream cheese and then you open up it's malachia
0: yeah hell yeah. You're like
2: great we got malachia but we don't have the cream cheese so what are we gonna do um next question <laughs> um, my super super
1: white um friend told me that his dad um put like leftover pasta in like a plastic shopping bag
0: wild
2: that's the most bootleg thing I've I ever heard in my life. I love it to be honest. Because
0: <laughs> you can just, like you Vons can put it bag. around your neck and just eat it <laughs> yeah. straight out of the bag. Wow, too. it's a
2: bib and a plate <laughs> at the same time.
0: Spaghetti and Ziploc bags, though—that was another thing my mom would do. I don't know. I didn't. I never understood it's it. So
2: unappetizing.
0: Something about it. It would fit in a fridge. She knew how to. Would she eat it out
2: of the Ziploc bag? No,
0: we were we were uh, warm everything up, and mm-hmm. we're having the same dinner three nights in a row, family. Mm. Again, that's a farm farm life thing for sure.
1: Um, okay, so Cleopatra viewed herself as a living goddess. Mm-hmm. Tell us about a time you felt supernatural or godlike, or tell us about a weird, random, useless talent.
0: Dude, I know we're talking a lot about food, but um, last year KTLA—I don't, <gasps> you know what I'm—I know to what you're say. about to say, yeah, yeah, out of nowhere, I got like an ad, or maybe it was in the paper or something. I saw they were having a pie fest, like it was a whole day at UCLA.
2: Wasn't it KCRW though? Or was it KTLA?
0: It was KCRW. Right. Sorry. Because yeah. I heard
2: about this on the radio. I yeah. heard about a pie contest <laughs> on the radio. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, they had a whole pie contest, pie day. I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. And then I saw at the bottom of the ad, like, you could sign up and make your own pies. I am not a baker. I've never made a pie before, um, you know, except like, you know, basic ass, like key lime pie or whatever. And uh, I was like, I'm doing it. I don't know what what got into me. I was like, I'm doing it. It's, it was like a week away. And, uh, I woke up, I got up the night before and just, uh, you know what, all I did was I took my Malfouf recipe Mm -hmm. and I was like, instead of rice, I'm going to put all the lamb and all the spices and all that stuff. and I'm going (gasps) to put it in pie form.
2: Oh, brilliant. You made a savory pie. I made a savory pie. You also made a diversity
1: pie. Yes, I did. KCRW, probably ate that out. Gobble, gobble.
0: Uh, yeah. Got third place in the KCRW and Yeah. I did feel like a pie god that day. It was incredible. Honestly,
1: can't believe we have a third place
2: KCRW. I'm going to be honest with
0: you. I, I can't believe you didn't use that as your first. credit. I was like
2: This next comic won third place at the KCRW pie Yeah, it'll contest. eat me
0: up inside every every day that I didn't get first place. That's why. They said mine had the best flavor, though. So Yeah, Hell of course yeah. it did. Hell yeah. Of course it did. Of course it did. And uh, Jake Gyllenhaal ate it. He was what? He was one of the judges. Mm. So... Jake hall if you're out there, you're welcome. <laughs> he does listen. Yeah, oh, yeah.
2: Um, okay. The next question is: What is a American custom that you've super embraced, or a custom from your culture that you can't shake?
0: American custom that I can't shake, or that I that, that
2: you've I... really embraced, other than you know the whole sheep farm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna
0: say. Well, yeah, you know, I got. I always think about like the the term american because i did yeah i know about this question um i always think about like what is american and truly i always feel like the things that like immigrant families do is the most american thing like what is what i know that sounds like i'm like being. i reject the premise Podcast over it totally sounds like that but truly like like, that's like watch gangs in new york like uh every immigrant they came over at some point was like the most like you're not really American like but like right. what's what are, what are American tropes like are they really American tropes or are they like German tropes or Irish tropes right and at some point Italian trope. like you don't see I got thinking about this the other day I was like if you watched Friends and you saw Joey Chandler and Ross hanging out together you wouldn't think that's a diverse group right it's three white guys but no it's a Jewish guy and Irish guy and an Italian guy. You go back 100 years ago, that's like a super diverse show.
1: Wow. you know? never even realized that the three of them had different cultural identities until right now. Yeah, because
0: they don't. Because they're three white guys. <laughs> it's like the widest show ever made. But They
2: also look all exactly the same to yeah. me. They all actually got friends through NBC's diversity scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, So yeah, exactly. I actually do think NBC co- thought that they, they were knew. diverse at the time. But... No, so, that's a, that's an excellent point. So and, I
0: always think of it like that as like, you know, like, cause again, you could ask like, uh, Italians, like, you know, the, the loud families or whatever, Irish families. I grew up around a bunch of Irish people. It's like super like rowdy parties and stuff like that. And you know, Arabs, we yell at each other even when we're happy. You know, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, all of that to me is very American and what? I do it all with a Southern accent. So it, it confuses people. <laughs>
1: I went to a mall in New Jersey that is called the American Dream. And it's this giant mall. It's the type of mall that has, like, skiing and, like, an amusement park. It's Dubai. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, everyone who was there was immigrants. Mm. And it was so interesting to me yeah. that, like, you, when you think of America, you're like, oh, white people at the mall. But it's like, no, it's more, it, we want it more.
0: Yeah. That's all it is. The whole country is like that. So, I never understood like people that are super anti-immigrant. It doesn't make any sense. You were that. Right. And then our, you know, our grandchildren are going to be like, get these, I don't know, Martians out here, (laughs) 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 whatever.
2: I I agree. I think that.
0: American culture is always changing. That is what, that is the best part about American culture is that is you can look at um, America and you can, look at it by the decade and be like look how different this is from that and how different this is because it's always changing because it's right. always being we're always getting sent new flavors
1: my cousins in europe um always say that they say that um they're so bored of europe because everyone's obsessed with preserving history and all the jobs <laughs> are like art preserver like architecture preserver and they're like all the streets are like Victor Hugo Street. And then they asked me, they're like, What are the street names in America? Like Usher Street. Right. <laughs> I was like, all of our jobs are
2: you like wish. disruptor and they're yeah. preserver. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a good point.
0: That's yeah. yeah. America rocks. I love it over here.
2: Wow. Can you, you run about? for
1: office? Thank yeah. you. Appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> we did not pay this Arab to say that on this podcast.
0: Well, and yeah. But I he said, did American come an American Rocks. flag <laughs> <laughs> wrapped America with an Rocks. American flag <laughs> around it. The American government has always been a problem. But, the, you know, the place is awesome.
1: Isn't right. that always the case? Yeah. The government's bad. The
2: people are mostly good. Exactly. And now it's time for our final segment called Dig Deep. This is where we ask the deep questions. Oh, boy. The first one. It's squirmy. Elizabeth Taylor famously portrayed Cleopatra in the 1963 film. If your life were a crossover of two TV shows or films, what would they be and who would play you?
0: Hmm. Who would play me? Everyone would say Jason Biggs. I got that a lot. Oh, Uh, interesting. You're like
2: a cross between Biggs and Statham
0: statham yeah Ooh. hell yeah dude i like you guys it's awesome it's <laughs> <laughs> so much better than jason biggs everyone's like, i
2: don't see the jason
1: Bates i, at I all. never saw it
0: but a lot of people would constantly say it a lot I was be gonna like, say you like look like the Matthew. guy who fucked a pie in a movie um <laughs> I was
2: gonna say like a Matthew you McConnell got third a. place for fucking <laughs> yeah. a pie at the kcrw contest That's, that
0: was the secret ingredient for sure <laughs> yeah jake gyllenhaal eat your heart out baby <laughs> what show would i cross over into i mean look madman is my show and uh you know just in working and advertising and all that that show is very uh is very real in that world it's not very a jokey answer but that is the first thing i thought of and you know all the misogyny was so cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> um,
2: you're of bread course. and butter yeah
0: um no yeah i think i think you know give me give me a little madman but uh Give it to me in today's in today's world, and I think uh, I think that would be my show, right? A little comedy, a little drama, maybe a little more
1: diversity than the original. Yeah,
0: that, that's how. Yeah. Give what are you talking in about? S- they had
2: an, an Italian.
0: Yeah, yeah, a gay <laughs> a, Italian. Gay Italian, Italian <laughs> in
1: 1950. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Cleopatra had a storied legacy as a historian and a scholar. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? And also, what would you want your epitaph to read?
0: You know, obviously, we all want to be like remembered for our work, right? You know, especially writers and stand-up comics. We, it's all we obsess about. But I think uh, being remembered as a good person is a good, that's a good investment, isn't it? good investment in time like whenever like people have been dead a long time like they have like all the things that they did that were great but at a certain point if you were a shit-ass person be a good person that's what i would want to be remembered as and you know as the greatest savory pie maker of all time and the (laughs) ambassador of cottage cheese Mm, those three things specifically good dad good husband cottage cheese king
1: and is that what the epitaph will read
0: Ooh yeah, absolutely. Dad, father, Here Kirtles, husband, Joe
2: Abu Sakr.
0: the leader of the Kurds. Yeah,
2: our Kurdish king.
0: Yeah, Kurdish king.
2: That's
1: amazing. Once a year, Christine and I will visit your grave and put a uh, like a ribbon a tub of Knudsen. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say ribbon for his pie, but also oh. <laughs> also a generous offering of non whipped cottage cheese.
2: Next question. Okay. The ancient Egyptians were often buried with treasures and worldly items if you had to take one item into your sarcophagus what would it be
0: uh i think it, the ancient egyptians got it right you know like having stuff around you and then preserving it so that like 5000 years later someone can be like hey this guy's name was joe he was really into this yeah that's awesome it's
2: so cool it's i so cool. just saw the book of the dead exhibit at the getty villa and it was just if it didn't take remarkable. up so much
0: space i would say we should all do that we should do it figure out a way to do it digitally. But I think I think we probably will start to. And yeah, I would want to have every journal and every joke I've ever written surrounding me. I would want to be wrapped in my jokes.
2: Ooh, I love that. <laughs> like linens. Yeah, and when they peel
0: they when they unwrap the mummy, they just like get a, a <laughs> like a long joke book, like one at a time. The yeah. only
1: problem with that is I feel like of all the art forms, comedy is the one that like expires. Um like mm.
2: it,
0: that's why that's guessed. why you put a booby trap in it to where you get a little slapstick humor in there. Okay. <laughs> like maybe my head falls off it's, whenever it comes off. Oh, I like yeah. that. Because like slapstick puns. comedy does not go out. Mm-hmm. Charlie Chaplin is just as funny as he was the day he came out. I didn't realize how much of a, a word word comic I was until I went to Palestine. Mm. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm, I need to make sure this isn't so much wordplay and like focusing on like specific culture in the U.S. I like, got to make it like that was a really fun writing exercise, like wow. figuring out over the week, like what someone else in a different culture likes. What was For- that like? It was incredible. It was the best best week of my life. Like <laughs> it was funny, like the, the whole week going into it was um, everyone being like, oh, don't worry about it. It's all English speaking. It's mostly going to be college kids mm-hmm. that completely understand American culture. Hell, most of them are going to be, just On vacation from Dearborn, like you know, just do your set, it's not going to be a bunch of old people. And then we go to Ramallah for the first show, and I swear to God, I look out, and it might as well have been 200 of my aunts and uncles. <laughs> every uncle who ever asked, wow. like, Oh, do you make money? No, obviously, <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs>
1: that's always the first question Do Dude, you make money? Yeah,
0: it was so cool because like I would wake up every morning at like 6 a.m. and just walk around and get to know people around town and it was a weird trip where it was like I'm learning about a culture that I've also like lived with my dad and I should already know but I don't and I've never been here and it was like it was such a strange week of like uh getting to know the familiar it was right I I don't even know how to explain it. it it was a it was a really strange uh week but and also writing was just flowing out of me you know whenever it's kind of like how i said with the pandemic it was like whenever you experience something in life that is like really like you got to take a second to be like this is material material isn't sitting in a fucking coffee shop and trying to fucking juice it out of you and scaling and doing something like that
1: I think breaking routine is absolutely the most powerful thing you can do for creativity. Yeah,
0: it flows out of you at that point. So it Mm. was a weird week of like emotionally for like the family and my, you know, where I come from and also just creativity and how like, you know, that life experience was like flowing out of me.
2: It's always so weird to go back to... Where your parents are from. I, the first time I went back to Egypt, there were so many weird little things that clicked as context for why we are the way we are. Like I went to a, an Egyptian church my whole life, and so I know how like the Egyptians be acting. Like I know <laughs> how we act, but then it's always with within the context of like, okay, and this is at an in America, and this is at a, a specific specific church, and then going to Egypt, it provided so much more context where I'm like, oh, this is why everyone does this. And this mm. is why people think it's okay to triple park <laughs> yeah. in the parking lot. <laughs> and, you know, oh, everyone is so incredibly generous and so incredibly kind. Like, this makes so much sense. And it was eye-opening but then also you realize like wow I there's so much I don't know and I feel I feel like I don't belong here at all
0: yeah yeah it's like you're kind of stuck in like this weird middle zone which over here you always feel like that right you know so right but it was beautiful I loved every second of it you know I I encourage everyone to go back to where, if you know, your parents didn't come here from somewhere. You heard it here first. Joe
2: says, Go back to where you came from. (laughs) Let me say it with my most southern accent. I encourage
0: everyone, get the fuck out of here, dude.
1: (laughs) I remember being glued to your stories when you were Uh, there, not to be a creep or anything, but I was drooling at the food. It looked incredible.
0: Oh, dude. Everyone, I gained 20 pounds on that trip. Good Lord, everyone's just like filling you up every second. And yeah, it was like it was a family reunion and I didn't, you know, with people that I'd never met. You know. So it was it was beautiful. Love it. Free Palestine.
2: <laughs> Amen. Peace.
0: What a fun pod. Thank I mean, you. Yeah,
2: love to have you. Can't thank you enough for coming, sharing yourself with us. And Thanks for having is me. there anything you want to plug coming up?
0: Trying to get on the road, but definitely listen to the Here With Joe podcast uh every Monday. Post stuff up on my Instagram at here with Joe and you know come out to a show sometime.
2: That's been the episode. Um I've been Christy Bonna. I'm Lynn Molly.
0: And I'm Joe Abby Soccer. Thanks for listening, everybody.
2: If you like us, please leave a review, say something nice about us, subscribe. Sixty percent of you listen and don't subscribe, and that hurts my feelings. <laughs> so terrible. please just follow and uh support us and we really appreciate everything and everyone who's listened so far until next time. Bye bye. Bye.